It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast. I'm Dave Richmond along with my good buddy Bubba Rosenbaum from Shine Grove. How are you, man? Doing well, Dave, and um, that's what... I don't know, something I was going to tell you a little earlier when we were talking off the air is just, you know, uh, when this thing started uh, coming down there in the first uh, couple weeks of March, I guess the 11th or whatever, um, those first three weeks, so pretty much the rest of March seemed like dog years, but the the month of April seems like it has absolutely flown by to me. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know if it's just getting into the new routine uh, of uh, the way our uh, life, our new normal, uh, so to speak, but I don't know, just the month of April has, has come and gone. Yes, it has, and i tell you what, we're going we're gonna to have a great show, uh, by the way, guys. Uh, April has been flying by. we got a very special guest. Yeah, we do. Uh, Brian Medor, um, anybody that's followed East Carolina over the last 25 years is probably familiar with Brian Medor um, because the last 10 years he's been working for ECU in video production, and then Prior to that, he had been in uh, a couple different capacities as a as a sports reporter, a sports anchor uh, with um, WITN and then also WNCT, as uh, Brian Bailey said, his little buddy. <laughs> I tell you, Medor is one of the best. We'll get to him in just a few minutes. And a nice little interview. Kyle from LaGrange Bar will be joining us in just a little bit. He's running late. Um, but while we are waiting for Kyle, let's go ahead and talk about our roundtable. Bubba, I know a lot's going on. Uh, where do you want to start? we got so much to talk about. Well, let's start off talking a little football. Um, we'll, okay. um, obviously, the NFL draft has taken place the last few days, uh, so some notes on that. Um, unfortunately, no Pirates drafted, um, but we did have Kendall Futrell, who had a very big uh, 2019 season for East Carolina. He had 11 sacks and 16 TFLs. He did sign a free agent deal with the Cincinnati Bengals, so congratulations to Kendall, and we'd love to have him on sometime in the very near future to talk about his opportunity in the NFL. And then uh, also Garrett McGinn. Uh, if you recall, Garrett had a shot with the Buffalo Bills last year, and then he had an opportunity with the Carolina Panthers. I believe he actually played a few snaps in a couple of games for the Panthers, or he at least uh, was suited up for a couple of games. I think he saw some action. Um, but Garrett is getting was in the season, right? Yeah, toward the end of the year. Uh, I believe, uh, or I don't believe, I know um, Garrett McGinn, uh, as of, I guess, the last 24 to 48 hours, received another chance with the Buffalo Bills. So congratulations to him. Um, You know, his versatility is one of those things that's really allowed him to have some of the opportunities he's had so far. And uh, hopefully this time he'll stick with Buffalo. I hope so. He's really, really good. And he's a guy that we've – Maybe we can get him back on, Bubba. He's a really good guy. Yeah, I, I would love to have Garrett back on. I actually reached out to him earlier today, so hopefully that will happen sometime in the near future. Uh, some other notes about the draft. Um, as far as American Athletic Conference teams, uh, Temple led the way with four draftees. You also had Memphis with three. Um, they've been so talented in recent years. And uh, and then some other so-called group of five teams, as much as we despise that term, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and use it um, just for identifying these two programs. Boise State had three draftees, and then also Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, had three draftees. Uh, you had App State with a couple, and then I know they also had, um, I believe, at least one or more uh, sign as 
a free agent. Uh, I know Jordan, excuse me, uh, I think it's Jordan, his first name, Fair, um, a very talented linebacker for App State. He signed a deal with the um, Minnesota Vikings. And, cool. of course, and of course, you had the very and the, the speedy running back um, out of App State. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, right? But he anyway, he went to the Tennessee Titans, and um, so awesome news for, for the Mountaineer fans. Um, and obviously, they've had it rolling in recent years. And now, new head coach Sean Clark is trying to continue on what Scott Satterfield and uh, Elijah Drinkwitz did. But um, just some numbers ar- around the nation. Uh, LSU obviously coming off the national title. The Tigers had 14 players selected. <laughs> oh my God. And then listen to this. Um, next, uh, you had Ohio State and Michigan. That's funny because, of course, Ohio State has absolutely dominated the Wolverines. Yeah. And, of course, um, the number of draftees doesn't necessarily equate to a equate to a, a ton of success but in in michigan i mean what they won at least 10 or 11 ball games last year it's just they they have not found a way to get over that ohio state hump and um but the buckeyes and wolverines um, both had 10 players selected and then you had bama with nine you had clemson in georgia who obviously clemson's been right there won a couple titles and been in the playoff on an annual basis and then georgia's been vying for the playoff on an annual basis both of them had seven you also had florida and utah with seven and then notre dame and auburn with six apiece so uh some of the ones that were kind of really jumping out to me uh you had minnesota with five um, what a tremendous wow. job pj fleck has done yeah, there he's done a great job and, and then uh, one of the ones that stood out to me in a, in the opposite way was Florida State. Obviously, that program has been very down in recent years. Um, right there, really, Jimbo Fisher's last year, but especially since he's left for Texas A&M, um, so the Seminoles only had one player drafted. That, that program is really um, – you know, there's like down years, but there's something right now um, – and I know they'll they'll get it turned around. I know, but it just that program is really, if you think about it, they had the national championship bubble what 2013, right around there. And then um, after that, it just seems like the program has been just in a tailspin. I mean, it really. Um, I know that when we when I was really really young, the program Bobby Bowden was building the program at that time. Um, and by the time that I was a teenager and, of course, in, my, in college years, that program was so dominant. And then they win the title with Jimbo. And, you know, you think, think when you think when Jimbo wins that with Jameis Winston, they win that national championship, you think everything's okay, Bubba. And then all of a sudden, my God, the wheels have come off fast for that program. It's just really shocking. Yeah, it really is. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Mike Norvell does there in Tallahassee, and it was Darrington Evans, of course, uh, it came to me, I knew it would, uh, Darrington Evans is a talented App State running back that can absolutely fly, um, remind me a lot of Chris Johnson, um, but he can, he's a tremendous threat in the return game as well, I remember when he took that kickoff 100 yards to the house up at Penn State, when, when App State about pulled that upset off, but, um, but anyway, uh, Malcolm Perry, of course, the very talented Navy quarterback, he went in the seventh round to the Dolphins. And so that was something else of note that I wanted to bring up. 
as it pertained to the AAC and the draft. Uh, kind of shifting gears, or actually, um, before we shift gears, something else uh, noteworthy is the Panthers. All seven of their picks were on the defensive side of the ball, and that's the first time in NFL history, according to what I read, that that's ever happened. That's, I haven't thought about that. Wow. Um, I'll tell you what, it's the draft is really – <laughs> really cool. I, I have to say they pulled it off uh, a lot better than what I thought they would. Amazing how the NFL draft things have gotten so bad as far as having those sports that I've always watched the draft. But I don't know about you, Bubba. It meant more this year because we have no, <laughs> we have nothing like no sports to watch right now. Oh yeah, no doubt, absolutely. And uh, and I actually um, I'm trying to remember what I had going on, but wasn't able to watch that much of it. Um, Otherwise, I probably would have, like you said, because of it actually being something live, sports-related. But um, as far as those seven Panthers draft picks, they had three on the defensive front and then four defensive backs. Uh, I was a little surprised. Um, I didn't study up on it that much because I, I don't follow the NFL as closely as college for sure. I'm not even close. But uh, just – I. I am well aware of the issues that the Carolina Panthers offensive line has had in recent years. And so uh, I did think that they would probably draft at least one offensive lineman, but that was not the case. They had recently acquired, though, um, because the Panthers' new offensive line coaches, Pat Meyer, I believe is how it's pronounced, M-E-Y-E-R. Um, but he came over from the L.A. Chargers and uh, – Russell Okun, uh, who had been with the Chargers and is a 10-year vet in the NFL, had also played for very successful uh, organizations in Denver and also Seattle. Uh, he's a guy that has, uh, I think it's something like 124 starts under his belt. So he seems like a very solid acquisition uh, on the offensive front that needs a significant amount of improvement for Carolina. Yeah, Bubba, they're going to have to – as far as the Panthers, man, they're, uh, when we talk about total rebuild, they are just uh, every which way. And uh, you want the franchise being in North Carolina, me, you, and Kyle are all from uh, North Carolina. So we want the franchise to do well and hopefully they will. So you're getting, are you, uh, you ready to go to our first guest, our only guest tonight? Yeah, we'll go ahead and um, pitch you to that conversation that we had with Brian Medor. Um, didn't intend to go this long for sure. Uh, we, we thought we would probably spend more like a half hour with, with him. Ended up going about 50 minutes. But um, let's go to that conversation right now with East Carolina's director of video production, Brian Medor. Well, Bubba, we're very excited. Uh, good things come to those who wait. We're very excited to have a good friend of ours who is able to, with his busy schedule, to come on with us. Yeah, Dave, we've wanted to have this guy on for quite some time. Glad we were finally able to coordinate the schedules. This guy has seen both sides of the media since, so to speak. Um, he uh, served about 15 years uh, with WITN and also WNCT, and now he's director of video production with East Carolina University. Very excited to welcome to the show, Brian Medor. Guys, I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate you being patient and, and hanging in there with me. The, uh... The, uh, the man is not worth that introduction, though, I can promise you that. <laughs> uh, no, that you, yes, you are. But, uh, the one great thing we were just talking about off the air, well, people don't realize, and and, uh, and I would say this publicly for ECU, the athletic department is the media department. The, the media, as far as our locally at Pirate Nation, are some of the finest people, a lot of alums, a lot of people that want to see ECU thrive and, and definitely do very well. And uh, you're one of the examples. I know you're internally, but... Um, I can't think of a single media person that I, that I really don't like, uh, I've known over the years and, 
and then with the fact that um, Greenville could be one of those things where it could be with all that we've been through the last few years, it could be even worse than what people realize as far as the media uh, relations standpoint versus the local media, that sort of thing. So I'm just glad that we've got a lot of good people. And then your case internally, it's great to have you because of uh, your knowledge and obviously how much you love the Pirates. Right, man, I appreciate that. And I can tell you this, you know, I went to East Carolina. If you know me, you know that. I mean, I wear East Carolina, you know, on my sleeve. I love this place. And I turned down jobs in other markets when I was doing the TV thing. Raleigh was one. And I just I love ECU. I just love being here. I love covering it. They all love the people. Right. I came here as a freshman in '89, and um, I saw some great football, man, when I was in school, and, yeah. and it really it hooked me. I, you know, I, I've told Brian Bailey this. I haven't told many people this. But I got into Wilmington and, and ECU, and I really liked Wilmington's campus and the, the lifestyle. And I was saying, man, I'm really going to go there, but they didn't have football. So when when I came and visited um, East Carolina, I walked over to the you know the football stadium over there. I was like, nah, nah, nah I got to come here. I want to come here. This is where I want to be because you know I, I've got to have a football game. You know, it's only six weekends out of the year. The whole tailgating experience and and meeting people and it just it was just a vibe that I really wanted to be a part of. And then you know my let's see my third freshman year, which would have been ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, I got my I got my. My money's worth out of East Carolina for sure. But anyway, I, the Peach Bowl, and I was there. I got to go. Yeah. And that, that season was incredible, yeah. um, and and I got to experience that in person. And you know, I, I know we're in the we're in the age of you know HD t- TVs, and everybody's got their man caves, and it's so much more economical just to sit at home and watch a game. And and um, to me, there's not, nothing beats the feeling of being in a stadium that gets rocking. And when Dowdy Ficklin is rocking, it, it's a it's a really really it's a gym. It's a really, really fun place to be, and, and I hope we can get back to that, man. I'm, I miss it, that's for sure. You know, when you think about it, uh, Brian, with the, the fact of that, for example, you, you make a great point, that UNC game where we hang 70 on them, yep. um, that we hung 70 on them, and I remember the Boneyard. I, I'm in Section 2 my season tickets, and I remember the boneyard, the students yelling, we want 100. You know, it's early in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Yeah. And they're yelling, we want 100. Well, you wouldn't have been able to hear that if you watch it on television. Just little things like that, that the crowd is so loud. When that place is rocking, the, I mean, there's not a better. I'm sorry if I sound biased because I went to East Carolina and a fan and all that, but there's not a better place in North Carolina than, than East Carolina when it comes to home atmosphere with Dowdy Picklin. I agree. And, don't you know, the, I've been to Chapel Hill when that place was packed. I've been to Raleigh when that place was packed, yeah. and and it doesn't. It's not even close. And and I don't know. It's not. It's not the number of people. It's the volume. And I mean, I'm telling you, man. When when uh, when Pirate Nation cranks it up, man, it is. It's like it, it is. It's, it's impressive. It's fun. Um, and I've missed it, man. I, I know these last few years have been really tough on the fans. And um, you know, and I, but I tell you this, man. And I'm, I'm not. I'm not. You look. You guys know. I got pulled off of a local radio station because I ran my mouth. I'll tell you the truth, and I'll shoot from the hip. And I'm telling you, man, Mike Houston is a is an excellent football coach, and he's the right guy. And I'm, I believe in this guy, and I really think, you know, he's going to do for um, for this football program. What, say what Cliff Godwin has done for baseball. You know, he's 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 elevated it. And and Mike Houston, not just from the history of what we had in football, he's got to fix it first of all. He's doing that. It's going to take some time. And people who, if you think they're going to go out there and win ten games this year, you, you're not you're not being reasonable. Um, he's going to struggle again with um, with the number of wins because we just aren't. They, he hasn't gotten everything he wants to get done. And not you can't do it in a year and a half. 
He's going to get it right. done, and, it, and it's going to be. He, we're going to go bowling again. You know, um, people will be pride have pride to come back to these games. It's going to be fun, and I really believe Mike's the right guy at the right time. And I, and and you guys, you guys, you know, you talked to Coach Ruff. Coach Ruff says it too, and that was something that for me personally, repairing that relationship for East Carolina to me when when they got we got rid of the, the last staff and the last uh, administration, the, the number one goal and for me was to see Russell McNeil. Um, embraced again by East Carolina, and that's something that Mike Houston took as, as on himself to, to get it done, and he did. And so that relationship's repaired. You know, Russell's going to come back. He's going to be a part of the camps. You know, and and, uh, and his situation now with um, he's over in uh, Clayton now with his his father. And uh, you know, there's going to be opportunity to bring him back. And we do play football this fall. You're going to see Russell McNeil back in Greenville, and I think that's something that um, that had to happen for for a lot of reasons. Before we before we talk about some of the specific projects you've had the chance to work on with ECU, uh, let's let our listeners uh, know just exactly uh, what all your job entails, because I know you work with the big three, so to speak, football, men's basketball, and baseball, as far as coaches' shows, uh, Cliff's Cab, and those sorts of things, and then uh, entrance videos on game days. So so tell our listeners what all you do. Okay, sure. Uh, I was at WITN, and when I was there, uh, WITM was the uh, official station of the Pirates back then, and um, that was right. up until 2010, 11, 12. Is when I came over to East Carolina in 2011. Um, the reason I came over is they they said, you know what, we want to bring in this this position in house, so we're not paying a television station, so we can we can bring a position in house, and you can do other things other than just the uh, television show, the the, co- the weekly coaches show. So when I came over, you know, they created other things for me to do. I, I worked game day on just about. Anything that's a ticketed sport, you're going to see me at that game. Because um, whether it be a video function, um, I'll, sometimes I'm in the uh, the uh, control room, which is where all basically it's the hub of where everything is streamed. And um, I'll be a, like I'll direct uh, softball or or just help out with cam, you know, whatever I need, I, I can do. Um, I do it because I love it. I love being there. Um, but the primary job I have is I'm the liaison between IMG Learfield, our advertising partners, and, and East Carolina, and I do the coaches' shows. I take care. I produce it. I do features in it. Um, you know, it, and when we switched over from WITN to WNCT a few years ago, um, one, of the, one of the things we, we wanted to do was to incorporate Brian Bailey more. And Bailey, you want to talk about a guy who has no connection to East Carolina other than just the love of this place? He is the biggest ECU fan you'll ever meet. And <laughs> but he still remains objective. But that guy gets more excited on game days than anybody I know, and it's 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 fantastic. And I, I love working with the guy. He's a lot of fun. He's got a lot of energy, a lot of passion. And and um and working with him, you know, I worked with Bailey uh, when I was an intern back in you know ninety five, ninety six, and then I got the job there. I worked with Bailey for eight nine years. Um, so uh, working with him again has been a lot of fun. And I guess if you see on game day, you see Brian doing so many things for us, uh, the sideline promotions, and and he also has a segment in the coaches show, and he actually hosts um, our baseball shows. So when we switch up, switch off after basketball season. We have baseball shows, uh, the Cliff Godwin show, and Bailey actually hosts that. So I produce all those things, and and I mean I love it. It's a lot of fun, man. It's a really I've been very very fortunate to have a, a job where you, you you don't make much money, but by God you love what you do. <laughs> you know, the, uh, people don't realize, Brian. I wanted to mention this uh, that very fact of the coach. Let's talk to the coaches show real fast. I know that people don't realize when they see that show, and and I've told the guys they already know because uh, by the way, Kyle from Grange Barber's joined us. Um, so I'm glad that, hey, what's up, yeah. brother? Um, but we have the fact that um, 
they don't realize how, just t tell folks give a thumbnail sketch they don't realize that it's like 23 minutes 24 minutes for that 30 minute show um, maybe less than that with uh, commercials but tell people how many hours you work they don't realize that game day is not all the glitz and glamour for you oh no no I mean you're at practice during the week doing you know shooting features and recording you know there's, there's a lot of hours that go into I, I couldn't put it into a number on it because I really don't know it depends on you know, the game week itself, man, and, you know, there's a lot going on. It's a home game. Um, you know, I'm doing different features during the week with Bailey, sometimes by myself, you know, and there's a lot of production stuff that goes on that you wouldn't think about. I'll give you a great example. When I went to the uh, conference uh, tournament, I'm sorry, the SBG Awards, all the conferences were there. And uh, we won an award for a baseball video we did a few years ago. And um, so I was down there, and I'm talking to the other video guys, my, essentially my counterparts, and they all have four and five guys who work on the show with them. And and I, I told them, they said, well, who's your, they, they asked me, they said, who's your producer? I said, well, it's me. He said, who's your shooter? I said, well, it's me. He said, who does the features? Well, I do. He said, you do the features too? I'm like, yeah. So you you got four jobs you're doing at, at East Carolina. I was like, hey, man, you at East Carolina, you go for it. Like Steve Logan said, you know, you just, you, that's the way you got to get by. You got to do what you can do. And I'm not blaming and patting myself on the back. I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I'm good enough where I can do a lot of mediocre jobs. But not, I don't do any of them great, but I do them okay, and I can get it done. And, and um, you know, talking with these other schools and how they do it, we are the one of the few shows that actually run. We do it the night, like the actual shooting of the live portion of it, I call it. We do it immediately after the games, and it airs the next morning. So it's a fresher take. Most everybody has a pregame type show now, or they use their press conferences on Monday, like you know, like North Carolina does. You know, they don't they don't have the interaction of the coach and the host like we do. And I, and I think it's, I think that part of it is a really, really good um, element that we have that a lot of play, other places just don't have. Mino, how many years have you been doing the coach's show now? Oh, man. Let's see. Well, you know what? I was doing them back in the 90s at Channel 9 with uh, Kevin O'Brien, the photographer over there. So I had a couple of years doing it there. And then we lost the, we lost the uh, contract with East Carolina at the WITN. And then when I went back to ITN, when I went back in the I got out of the business for a year. And then when I went back in at WITN in 2005, I started doing them again. So I've been doing them, I guess, for 15, the last 15 years. I've done it just me for the last okay, 15 so, years. Yeah, so the question was, the reason I asked that, you've worked with Logan, you've worked with Skip, you've worked with Ruffin. Uh, uh, you forgot Scotty. Thompson. <laughs> yeah, you got JT. Yeah, I got uh, I got a year of JT. Yeah, yeah, I used to I used to hate JT. Um, Scotty Montgomery, <laughs> uh, and uh, now Coach Houston. Uh, yeah. What is the difference? Who who is the easiest to work with? Who's been the hardest to work with? You know what? Um, I gotta say, you know, rough for me. I, no, Houston's great. I love working with Houston. He'll once he get, uh, Houston took a little while to get to where he trusted me because he didn't know me. Um, I knew Coach Ruff, um, and we. We hit it off immediately, and then I guess you got you guys probably know my my wife passed away a little over a year ago from uh, breast cancer, and Russ was amazing with her. He I mean, he championed her cause, and and uh, we so we became really close. So he was probably one I, I got I was the closest to um, as far as working with. Um, Coach Bo never let me in. He I mean he was he was a nice he was nice enough to me. He was very professional, uh, but we he never trusted or let me in. To his circle, and I don't know that he met many people into his circle, uh, frankly. But uh, he was probably the the least as far as getting to know and work with. He was probably the bottom of my list. Uh, Ruff was number one. Holtz was a was a good solid second. I love working with him. Um, Logan's Logan, man. You know, you, you know, Logan. 
there were times when Logan just blew us off. He didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> Which is not a surprise. That's, that's Steve Logan for you. Skip actually forgot about us a couple of times after the West Virginia yeah. game. Yeah, we beat him. And we beat West Virginia. Cool. And here's Jeff Charles and I are standing out there on the field waiting for him. He's at his house drinking. <laughs> and they were having a party. <laughs> so we had, to go to, we had to go to his house to shoot that thing. Um, but I, I'll say this. Uh, um, I'm just talking football coaches. The worst coach I think I worked with as far as um, uh, having, to, having to do a show or was what Ricky Stokes was, was just terrible. He, uh, <laughs> that guy, man. Hey, you know what I say, Midor? I say absolutely right. <laughs> that, 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 was his, that was his phrase. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He wouldn't even know what our opponent, who our opponents were. Um, he, he Several times, Coach Mack, and I, and I don't want to leave Coach Mack out because he's one of my good friends. I love Mack. I ate lunch with Mack every week. Um, he's one of my good friends. He was great to work with on the basketball side. He's by far my favorite on the basketball side. Um, but uh, – Mac would have to do the TV show because Ricky just decided he wanted to do it one week, and then Mac, here comes Mac. Well, <laughs> this is one of the great mysteries. You know, Terry Holland was a great man, did a lot of great things here. I love, I love Coach Holland. But the hiring of Ricky Stokes, you know, the fact that he hired Coach Mac, it was like that was a Terry Holland hire. His Stokes' his assistant, he knew what he was getting into. Yeah, that's right. No, we, we were baffled by it. Here's, you know, here's a guy that I watched coach in the NCAA tournament Mac McCarthy with, with Chattanooga. I know who he is. He was at DCU. He was good there. And, and, and did you not? Did you not do your homework on Virginia Tech and what Stokes did up there? All you had to do was make one phone call, and they would have told you all the, the nonsense and craziness that Stokes got into on, on, on away from the court. You had to know that it was not a good hire. But you know, Ricky was his boy, and uh, I, I'll never forget. Um, Ann Holland told Billy Weaver and me we were on a road trip and he said, I just really wish that he had never hired Ricky because he, one day he's going to have to fire him and that's going to end their relationship. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. And that's the thing is that you can't, you can't hire based on as much as you want to on your heart. You have to hire, use your, use your head uh, there. And I, unfortunately, I think that's the biggest thing for me was the hiring of Ricky Stokes. I was just like shaking my head on that one, <laughs> even though that I'm a huge fan of, uh, Coach Holland, uh, and hopefully yeah. one of these days we'll get him on the podcast, one of our all-time favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mito, you mentioned Ralph earlier in the, in the relationship you had with your wife, which does not surprise me at all. Uh, we're having a roughing on Monday. Uh, I heard. Yeah, so uh, tune in for that. But uh, how, how was your reaction personally uh, when, when Ralph was let go? Because we, you know, we, we all know how we took it. I, I, I was very vocal about how I took it. And uh, <laughs> you think? So just, yeah, so just just you personally, just you personally. Uh, how did it affect you? I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, Comfort and all those clowns are gone now, so you're free to speak on it. I I remember where I was. I was I was actually at UNC Hospital with Kim. She was having um, a scan done, and uh, Bailey um, uh, had texted me earlier. And he said, "Man, I think something's going on over there." And I said, "I said, nah, man, they're not doing anything. It's, the timing's all, all wrong." And then, sure enough, I got the departmental email that everybody else got. And I was blown. It was absolute BS. Um, the whole way it was handled, the way it was done, it was it was done. It had no class with the way it was done. But that was it, it was it was really really um, unfortunate because um, you know I, I, I'm, I'm trying to measure myself on a lot of this because it it, it um, I had I had a, I had a good relationship with, with uh, Jeff Comper. I had a good relationship with Shelley. I had a good relationship with, with a lot of those people. They were they were good to me personally. We were you know but. You should expect that as a, as a human being. Um, the way Ruff was let go was not handled well at all. 
And in my personal opinion, the man should have gotten another year. He went five and seven with a third year yep. quarterback and wasn't good enough to play Division One football Absolutely. with a broken hand. Um, so, and he went five and seven, and it was a good competitive five and seven. You almost you're 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 one bad pass or a fumble away from beating Florida in the swamp. I mean, my God, man, you went five and seven with that bunch. You know, so, well, so to sure. me. If we'd have just finished our drives against Cincinnati, they wouldn't have right. been on a field goal, and we'd have won five, right. five, five out of our seven wins, excuse me, five out of our seven losses uh, were about ten points or less. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we were, and you, you wouldn't take that the last four years? Shoot. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it was complete nonsense. And it makes well, that's why, that's why he fired him. I don't mean to be stepping on you, because he knew no. in 2016 with Ben Kirk back that he wouldn't be able to fire him. He I'm telling to, you, he man. He wanted to yeah. make his own hire, There's, so he, that, he, he fired him when he knew he could. And he also thought he had a big fish on the hook. He did. Yep, yep. And then so your seventh guy you interview is, is Scotty Montgomery. You're tired, you're giving up, and Scotty Montgomery comes in, and he's, you know, he's, he's the state goal salesman of all time, how he got that job. I mean, I, I, you, this is a true story, and it's on record. <laughs> Bailey's on record with this. He, he kind of got me a little bit of trouble, but I did say this. that The day I followed Mo around, I had the camera, and I was following him all around. You know, I had Remember the video. videos. So I'm following him. Middle of the day, I called up Bailey and said, dude, we are screwed. This guy is a con artist, man. He is, he has no idea what he's doing. This is all BS. And, and that was, that was within, that was four hours after meeting the guy. And, uh, wow. yeah. Three I, years later, uh, yeah. Not, not, to my, not to toot my own horn on getting it right. I emailed every member of the board of trustees when it was, you know, story broke for, I remember right on Saturday night, then, uh, Sunday it was an official hire or Monday or whatever it was. But when the story broke before it was official, I believe it was Saturday night, I emailed every member of the Board of Trustees and begged them not to approve the hire. I was like, what are we doing? When I was Scotty Montgomery, I said I'd rather have Scotty McQuarrie. How do you have Brady Hoke in your office? And look, I, you, people can say what they want to about Brady Hoke. He's a proven winner, and he's the head coach of San Diego State again. You have Brady right. Hoke in your office, and yep. you cannot get the, get the deal done. Yep, I mean, that's right. just pathetic. Yeah, not only that, but not only that, but you're right, Brian, about the very fact that uh, if he had another year, that we would have gone seven, eight. I mean, with, there's no doubt with Ben Kurt, we would have won seven or eight games. Obviously, we don't know that, but I feel like it was as good as he was. And you have your starting quarterback go down the week before. It was a week before, week or so before the season starts, and then you have like I could I couldn't believe it because I remember being a block or two from the hospital on uh, turning on Fifth Street is my mom called me and I thought she was talking about my high school coach. Your your coach has been fired. I was like, who? She said rough and I couldn't <laughs> yeah. believe it. Yeah. And I mean, it was literally one of those things. And then I remember uh, when he was talking about winning championships. Well, if we had had rough, he would have actually finished out his career as a coach at ECU. Um, I'm very confident about that. And then we would have had somebody else come in, and it would, you know, the program would be in an even better shape than than he found it. And um, as far as uh, you know, you have Skip and Rough. The Skip Rough years, if you look at that, we had some good years between those two coaches. And yeah. Dave, let me let me jump in real quick. You know, okay. there there was there were things that like you you could point out that were caused. There were uh, a reason for Rough to be fired. There were there were some. Uh, you know, the, the recruiting was slipping a little bit. There was a, you know, we weren't retaining players like we should have. Um, the conditioning program with uh, with Jeff, uh, I mean, you know, he, you know, Connor's just, you know, I think he's denied it, but I, you know, he's a friend of mine. I like I like Jeff a lot, but 
you know, he wasn't exactly in Russ' corner at the end there. And so right. things did happen where you could on paper say, okay, well, that's why Jeff did it. Um, personally, I think that they should have given him another year to either sink or swim. And, 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 I, and I think you would have seen, like you said, seven, eight, nine win. I think we would have gone to a bowl game. And, you know, I think, you know, Russ would probably still be the, the coach. I, you know, I don't know. I, I can't speak to all of that, but there, there was cause. Um, if you look, if you listen to Jeff Comfer and he puts pen to paper, he can make you think, okay, well, all right, well, I see that, I see that, I see that. But at the end of the day, I still don't see the firing. And that, that's just how, you know, uh, he would have given him another year. He probably, if, if, if we go down, we only went through more games and recruiting continues to slide, then fire him. And, and, and there's a reason to. But one bad year, um, I, I don't think that was enough of a decline. It hadn't happened yet. That's where, I'm, that's where my head is with it. So. No, and if it would have right. happened in 16, and I don't think it would have, but if it would have happened in 16, then, you know, let's say we go 5-7 and seven in 16 or 4-8, and eight, whatever. Well, yes. then you've got Ben Kirk. You've got no excuses. You've got back-to-back Correct. rest of the season. You, you, right. you can point, hey, it's going downhill. We can't, he can't do it without Lincoln. Then you would have had – you would still have a lot of people upset, but there would have been a whole lot more people that would have accepted the decision, and the pool right. of candidates would have been much stronger because Spot a lot on, of people – A right. lot of people were not interested in that job because of their, their respect for Ruffin McNeil. And, and it just, we, wanted to, we want to talk about some of your favorite memories, both from back in your WITN and WNCT days, but also since you've joined ECU. But it, before we get into that, I know it's an awesome project you had the chance to uh, to work on and uh, with Curtis Seaman down at Port City Films. And we've had the opportunity to have Curtis on a couple of times and uh, just really blown away by that entrance video, especially when it debuted a couple of years ago. Yeah, Curtis is the man, and um, this is a this is a, the backstory on that. I mean, he probably gave you a little bit of it, but um, you know, he they his production company makes all the promotional and commercial material for um, Heister Yale, and and uh, my wife was the digital media manager for Heister Yale, so she used Curtis all the time. And she said, "Hey, look, this guy down from Wilmington, he's a he's a huge ECU fan. He would love to have a crack at the uh, entrance video." And I said, "Great!" So he pitches me the idea. He he put a storyboard together, pitched it to me. I said, "Man." This is exactly what we needed, and this this is perfect, you know, because in house we just can't produce something of that quality. You just can't do it. We don't have the we don't have the um, people, we don't have the equipment, the cameras, the setup, all of it, you know. And here he is, you know, he makes um, films, I and mean, he makes he's a this guy's a filmmaker, and he makes incredible um, content. So uh, I take him before the previous administration, and they don't like it. They say it's not swaggy enough, you know. It's not it's not that's not the direction we want to go. And uh, I, I was what? blown away by it. I was just blown away by it. I mean, oh my it's not God. swaggy enough. That, that, Whoa. That's, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, but that, but that crap was, oh, my God. That, that, that was the worst video. All right, so we're going to go from the best project you've ever done, and now you, Kyle's going to make me remember the worst thing that, that ever came out of East Carolina was that, uh, oh, garbage. Um, that poor Shane, I mean, he did it with a smile. and He got done. He said, man, what did you guys just make us do? I said, I don't know, man, but. That's their baby. <laughs> I appreciate uh-huh. you being a gamer, but that, that video, what was it, 2013 or 14, 13, whatever it was? Yeah, 13. Yeah, 13. Yeah, 13. Oh, it's horrible. It I, remember, it I remember, I remember me and Ori, sorry to cut you off. No, I, please. Uh, but but I, I remember uh, my dad and I, when that debuted and when it was released on YouTube or the website, and we just looked at each other like, are we really going to play this before Purple Haze? <laughs> I said, I said this, is about, this is about the goofiest thing I've ever seen. Uh, you know what? The first thirty, I did the first thirty seconds, and the first thirty seconds were bad. It was the uniform in the locker room, and yeah. then the cameras right. go off, and then it just completely goes to crap. And that 
the rest of that video is what the um, previous admin um, scripted that we had to do and to that song. And we were sitting, we're in the meeting and um, talking about it, and, and uh, Shelly brings it up and says, I think this could be really good, but if we do it, we got to do it every year. And I remember looking at Greg Pierce, um, video production manager. I said, I said this is going to be awful. This is going to be so bad. It's going to be so bad. We were overruled. So anyway, that was the that history on that. But anyway, uh, back to Curtis, and let's talk about the now, guys. Um, Curtis uh, got a second crack at it, and it was right after the change in administration. And um, I've called him up and said, dude, this is our chance. And um, put him in front of uh, Dave Hart and Lee Workman, and they both were like, yeah, let's do it. And um, so Curtis did it, and, and I – the one from two years ago was, was so good. It was hard for him to match that last year. So I think he'll probably go back to what he did more the two years, the, you know, where the pirate comes from before he comes on the field, which is the idea of the whole video. And it, I mean, it won an award. And it won a Telly Award, which is incredible. It's an industry award. Uh, and, um, and it won for that year for outdoor um, uh, video out playing an outdoor event. So it beat out every school in the country. That's, wow. That's how good that thing was, man. It was incredible. And, um, That's great. Yeah, it really was. It was really, really good. So, you know, I, unfortunately, with this, uh, the way things have gone with this virus and and uh, the way things are looking, um, I don't know if we'll be able to use Curtis this year. But uh, you know, whatever impact, um, whatever we end up doing, his impact is going to be lasting because it was that was one of the best videos I've ever seen. It was incredible. Well, Ryan, I want to hold on, David, just follow up for that. Um, will we just go back and use the same thing from two years ago, or would, would you create something uh, I, new? I think no, what I think we're gonna do is we'll take pieces from that and and put incorporate highlights. Uh, now that we have some Mike Houston video, we'll, 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 I think we've got to keep the um, I mean the meat and potatoes of the pirate coming up the beach and setting the beach on fire. I mean, that, that's that's just great. You got to, in my opinion, yeah. stick with that, and then you um, then you can add current players and and um, some you know the the pizzazz. You can put some more of that stuff in there with the current guys. We haven't even talked about it right now because we're just I – mean, we just want to get back to, you know, to work like we should be doing um, or we would be doing if it weren't for this this virus. How's Gilbert and Ryan to work with this kind of stuff? They kind of give you freedom to do what you want or – Oh, they do. Yeah, they're great. I, I look, John Gilbert is fantastic. I love that guy. And Ryan, I mean, if you want to get a guy in there to, um, to spark, spark it up, buddy, he is – he is uh, he is a, he is the energizer bunny man. He is fun to work with and watch. And he uh, he's got a lot of energy, a lot of passion. He loves this place. Um, he jumped right in uh, with both feet. Um, sometimes you got to corral him a little bit, but um, no, I, I, you guys know him. I I, I love yeah. I love working with those guys. They're, it's night and day from what it was before. And and again, I have to stress. I'm not. I'd be disingenuous if I said that I hated the previous administration. That's not it at all. I, I got along with those guys great. I just hated the direction everything went. And um. And I think that's a fair way to put it. What about uh, as far as you were talking earlier, let's talk about – I want to get your take being a media person internally. I'm very excited about all the different sports or potentially all the sports. I know it's maybe maybe it could become nightmarish for you as far as uh, these games that are going to be produced on ESPN+. Plus. Right. But I want to get your take on how are things there as far as uh, being from a media perspective. How do you feel about how are things going there? I, I mean – we're already streaming, you know, over a hundred events a year. We we were already doing what a lot of other right. schools weren't doing. I mean, I, like for example, um, this, this is a great example here. Um, you know, uh, Cooch's perfect game against Maryland. That game wasn't streamed because Maryland doesn't do it. And um, where we we stream every baseball game and or oh, home game, obviously, we streamed all of the uh, home uh, softball, volleyball, uh, lacrosse. We did them all, and um, we were all so we were already uh, at least actively putting 
content out there. Now, ESPN Plus has restrictions. You have to use their, you know, um, their graphics. You know, they, they've got a certain set of rules, minimum requirements on cameras and things like that. Um, you know, we're still going to be doing a lot of streaming. Um, they are redoing the control room. They're going to double it in size. Um, ESPN's paying for all that. You know, um, they're, it's a big deal. And Greg Pierce is heading, heading that up. You guys should get him on once to really to dive into oh, that yeah. whole thing. Cause it's, uh, it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be huge. And, um, you, you'll be able to walk by and see, uh, there, there, you know, basically it's the old, um, uh, there's, there's a concession stand when you walk in gate one, the pro concession stand, and they've taken that space away from them, and they're gonna put glass up so that you can actually see in. So you'll be able to see on okay. game day what goes on in the, in the control room, which is really cool. There's a lot, of, there's a lot that goes on in that room. And um, we'll have to be uh, behaving now that the you know the, everybody's gonna be able to look in and see the monkeys in behind the uh, the glass. You know? <laughs> so we gotta be, <laughs> be careful what we're doing. Well, what are the um, what are the requirements for ESPN? I mean, like you said, we were doing a lot of this already. Uh, I know they talked about you know how it's got to be ESPN's quality and all that kind right. of stuff. But I, I watched the ODU feed last year oh on ESPN, God, awful. and it was terrible. I mean, it was, it was terrible. terrible. I, I could use my iPhone and and, and call it from the stands, <laughs> and it would have been that good. So I don't know how they can get away with crap. I mean, what? What, 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 they, what is the standard? Okay, they, they all they did was tap into their in-house feed. I was there. I saw it, and yeah. um, and they would cover. You know, where they would go, they would show the in-house uh, replay. Um, they the ESPN Plus version of it. They would just cover. The announcers weren't even there. They weren't at the game. Um, they were doing it remotely. I was told. Oh, wow. uh, but I, oh my god. Oh yeah, that happens a lot, man. Some of our basketball yeah. games were done that way. Um, and, and I always thought that was just strange. How could you not be at the game? But, uh, yeah. you, know, it's, you know, it's the way they save money, I guess. You know, they're just watching a stream, you know, with a, with a microphone. Um, you know, I, I, I can't speak as much. I mean, I was there. And I saw what they were doing. But um, I, I didn't know until I got back. I was told how bad it was. And, um, and I saw the, the video. You know, I, I don't know how it – what they did, um, not to, to dive into their stuff too much, but um, I recorded the video at – on the site and the video was fine. And then I heard it just looked like crap uh, for everybody streaming. So yeah, you know, and, I, and it wasn't that the it was HD quality. It was sure. just the angles weren't very good. Sure, right, right. They right. missed things, and, and then the audio there was you could hear like a constant hum. There yeah. was like this constant hum. I don't know what it is. Maybe you, you would know in the background the whole. Thing. It was almost like Bubba. Do you remember? It was almost like a soccer. You know that that. That's that you hear at a soccer game, like a, a European. It was like, oh, you mean the Bubuzela is what those things are called? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kyle's a huge. I know, I know Old Dominion's packed his stadium on a consistent basis, so kudos to them for that. Um, but I, I know Kyle was a huge fan of the atmosphere, right? Oh, my goodness. I watched their fans, and they were loose. Their fans, no. They were cheering. They were, they were having a blast. It, it reminded me of a MLS game. I was like, what is wrong with those people? Think, you know, the, the, light, the light show was really cool too. They that got was cool. LED no, that lights. was cool. That was yeah, cool. that was really cool. They, they yeah, I've mentioned that to, to Gilbert. Is that something? Good, trying to trying to get the young folks to come out to the games. <laughs> yeah, is that yeah, something yeah. we could uh, look into? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how expensive it was, but those those LED lights were something else, man. It was it was it was cool. It was a neat it was a neat atmosphere for. I didn't expect it. I was like, wow, okay, these guys got a little something going on up here. All right. So, uh, Midor, what about the, uh, as far as the announcers uh, concerned, one of our friends, obviously, of the podcast, Corey Glor. I mean, you got a guy like him now in Greenville. There's, it seems like uh, he's such a professional. There's uh, one of the things that 
bothers me is some of the broadcasts you see on ESPN Plus. They seem like they have local announcers, and there's like so much bias. Like you can tell, oh, that's ODU or whatever the school is. It must be some local sports radio guys or guys are doing it. Do you think uh, there's plenty of guys out there? But I'm hoping that um, I feel like I feel confident with the people we have internally now. But I'm just curious of your take on. Uh, do you know of any guys that are? The the Plus yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell them the ESPN Plus stuff, and um, yeah. I know we've got several candidates that they've talked to. Um, you know, I, for example, you know Matt McCarthy um, is a great analyst. He does a terrific yeah. job. He does a lot of odd tech games. Um, you know, he was going to do some tournaments, and then uh, I think the, what was he doing the, the Sun Belt? I can't recall. He was going somewhere to do one of the tournaments. C A A. The C A A. Okay, um, but anyway, he's you know he's he's in town. You know, but the problem is you got to find. Um, you got to be consistent. You can't be bouncing different guys in and out. So you've got to find somebody who not only lives in Greenville or is not afraid to travel to Greenville a lot, but you got to have somebody clear off a lot of schedule to be able to pull off every basketball game or, you know, uh, additional baseball games. Or, you know, with baseball, you know, I hope, you know, you know Corey's been doing it. He does a terrific job. You know, but as far as the actual giving you guys names or who it's going to be, can't, I, we're not there yet. So, you know, I, I can't say. And I heard from football, uh, Ryan Robinson said uh, that ESPN Plus, that ESPN would handle, would still handle the football game broadcast. Is that oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Football's not going to change. No, football's not changing. Football's, football's already taken care of. Most okay. of basketball, um, a lot of basketball wouldn't change because we're already doing, we're doing a lot of ESPN, yeah, ESPN 3 or ESPNU. Yeah. Um, you know, but those were all taken care of. It's just the baseball and the other sports that we can throw in there that are going to be a part of it. So. Bring back I thought he did a great job on the uh, signing day. You know, he's he's such a good guy. Yeah. What about Cliff Stout? Remember him? Oh yeah. Back in the day with Jeff. I mean, been, awesome. been, he uh he did our games way back in the day. Yeah. Football games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's right. And uh, his daughter uh, ended up not going to East Carolina. Uh, they live in Ohio. She ended up going to UC Wilmington, I believe, on a swimming scholarship. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, when I'm looking at some of the, you know, we've been doing these classic rewind games, and I've come across some of the older ones where he was on, he was on the, uh, was in can the. I, can I put in a request, Midor? Fire away, man. What you got? <laughs> I actually emailed you about this a couple of years ago, asked for a copy of the game, and you, and, you, and you said at the time you didn't think you could locate it. Uh, 1997, Fox Sports South televised East Carolina Wake Forest. Yeah. And, uh, and- if, if, if somehow that game could be aired, or if you could just slip me a copy, I'd be greatly appreciate. <laughs> I'll try, man. Look, you know when I got here in 2010 or 2011, January, there, you know Greg Pierce had just start, he had just started a couple years earlier. He had they had just started archiving games, so we missed out on. I mean, you, you, you were lucky if you found a tape that had a game from the 90s and for you know, the 80s. Good luck, you know. You're it was you're hard pressed to find some of those. Um, so I had to go on campus. Mike Miles worked over on campus and um. At the ECU, old ECU TV, and he had saved like two dozen of them. And so the ones that I'm showing right now in this classic rewinds are either games that he gave me or the very few that we have in, in archive. I will look that up for you, Kyle. I promise. I probably I blew you off before. I apologize for that. Um, That's okay. Um, but I can tell you this: uh, I, have, I can't say that I've ever seen it. And, uh, and I've been through those. I went through all those tapes um, a few years ago because. Um, you know, back, you remember, you guys remember back in the day when the pigskin pickout was was awesome. You know, the bikini yeah. contest and the and the imitating uh, John C. Moore contest and and all that. Well, um, my wife Kim was um, in that bikini contest in 1993, 
And I knew somebody was there, was there shooting because I was a student. And I, I went looking <laughs> everywhere for it. And so I went through all the tapes in the sports, the video office. So I know. <laughs> so And I found it. I actually found it on an old oh. beta tape. Yeah, I surprised her with it a few years ago. You know, she couldn't believe it. It was crazy. A lot of fun. But um, I know it's not PC to, to do bikini contests, but they were. it was a lot of fun back then. It was a whole lot of fun. So, uh, everything was a lot more fun back then. Uh, can, can you give right. us a, a peek behind the curtain at uh, – what games are coming up on the Pirate Rewind? Sure. All right, so uh, this Saturday we're doing the, um, the bowl game from Houston, the GodlikePurge.com Bowl, where we uh, beat Texas Tech 20 years ago. That's this week. Um, <laughs> That's what we're doing Tell tonight. Tell we're laughing, Dave. <laughs> yeah, that, we're doing that tonight with, uh, uh, with Keith Stokes. Keith Stokes. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome, man. I ran to Keith in an elevator a couple of years ago on the road. I, I was like, Keith, yeah, man. I hadn't seen him in years. But, um. Uh, the, the next one that's going to be on Channel 9 is a week from Saturday, and that's the you were talking about that 70-point game earlier. That's the one that's going to be on Channel 9. We're limited on the ones we can show on Channel 9 because they have to be in-house speeds. You cannot use ESPN, Fox, or CBS You've got for a local television, even right. though they, they relax those rules for the universities and the conferences to be able to show or, or stream online or whatever. Um, a television station can't go making money off their broadcast, so we're, we're limited, and so we only had a very we had very few inventory that we, that we could give to Channel Nine, and that was one that they wanted, so we gave it to them. Okay, kind so of uh, kind of a natural transition from the classic rewind games on whether it was your time as a student or um, your time at ECU or just as a sports reporter um, or a combination of two, what are some of your top memories on both on Pirate Games and then maybe also some of the top venues uh, you've traveled to and, that, and maybe, you know, opposing players or coaches you've had the opportunity to interact with? Oh, cool, yeah. Um, well, as a student, the Peach Bowl is second to none. And, I mean, that's, there's not even you – know, I, I went to the second – the Liberty Bowl we won in 95. I went to that one as an intern with Brian Bailey, and that was a blast. It was so cold that week, but it was a lot of fun being Stanford, but the Peach Bowl by far, just because of the way the game was played, the, you know, the, the, the big personalities we had on the field, and, you know, it was just a little fun team to watch all year long. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the classic, uh, you know, boring, yeah, Peach Bowl guy, but I love, it was incredible. I was there. Um, I won't ever stop talking about it. I've got memorabilia all over my house from that game that I brought back. So um, big fan of that game as a student. Um, uh, the Pitt game was, was, uh, was a huge one that year as well because of the way we won, but, um, as far as being a sports reporter and covering stuff, and the Hawaii Bowl was awesome. That was a lot of fun uh, going out there and um, spending the week in Hawaii and going to Pearl Harbor and, and seeing a lot of things that um, I never would have had the opportunity to see had I not had that job at that time. So, and the way we won that game, last second field goal, the Ben Hartman, you know, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think venue-wise, I like the smaller places, man. I I hate. I know it's a good thing that we got into the Big East now, the American. Um, but man, I really liked um, the rivalries we had in the old Conference USA. I love playing Southern Miss down in Hattiesburg at the Rock. I love going to Marshall. That place is just a neat town. I, I, it's a, I love it. I think it was a neat place to go. And um, so for me, the smaller venues that we used to go to were more fun. Now, you know, traveling to Houston, to Dallas, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, um, those places just don't really. They don't have the character. Now, you know, when you're playing in a big, empty NFL stadium, it just doesn't it doesn't translate to me as, as a fun college atmosphere. So, and I like the small places that rock. Those are my that's those are my preferences. Yeah, Hope that answered your question. I think I got I think I got derailed a little bit there, but you guys get it. Well, I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, 
Now, the bowl games are always fun because it's a week and you get away. And um, I mean, what better place to go on the company dime than Hawaii? You know, my goodness, that was that was so much fun. <laughs> I mean, there's Birmingham. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I was there. Uh, hey Brian, I was, <laughs> hey Brian, I was telling the story. I don't know if you remember that, but um, so we 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 get with Holtz and we have Holtz and we finally go back to a bowl. And a buddy of mine said, whenever we go back to after the JT years, we survived them. Whenever we go back to a bowl, we're going. So. He and I drive down there. We we see the night before we are Marshall. It was awesome. The movie had just come out, and then we go to the bowl game, get there, and we didn't prepare at all. The Papa John dot com, Papa John dot pizza dot com, whatever it is, dot com bowl. Yeah, and they and they had no pizza. They had no pizza, and they had a dude (laughs) there at the at Legion Field uh, there that was serving liquor on a old card table. And I was like, wow, this is Legion field. You were talking about venues. I thought Legion field, I heard it was a dump, uh, the 98 season where we played Alabama there. I had friends there that were totally disappointed and really hurt. Obviously the outcome of the game, but they said, man, Legion field is a dump. And we were told that the venue, uh, itself is in such a bad neighborhood. They won't deliver pizza there. So, um, that was probably my, of all the games I've been to, not only the outcome of the game, uh, not really showing up against uh, there um, against USF, but also the fact that that venue was horrible. Um, but how did you feel about that game? Uh, that, that game was, it was it was horrible. I hated that place. Um, I, you know, when you're you're in the press box and you see the the Iron Bowls that were played there, and you you see the you know the Alabamas and you know Auburn and all these beautiful. Uh, packed st- pictures of packed stadiums, and then you look out, and and it's just a big concrete dump. And they knocked down the upper deck years ago, and um, so it doesn't even look the same as what it used to like. It's in a terrible part of town. Um, you know, I, that that was probably my least when whenever we played UAB on the road, by far and away my least favorite um venue. Couldn't stand going there. This is yeah. not a good place to to work. It's not a good work atmosphere. It's just you know, and, and I have friends who work there. You know, um. For years, and, and um, they you know they actually liked Birmingham. They just didn't like the the stadium. In twenty one, so, yeah, uh, in twenty one, UAB I believe is getting a, I believe it's in twenty one. The stadium's up and up and down. Yeah, down. Right. yeah. So uh, UAB will have a new home. Uh, be interesting. They, they had kind of had the uh, new Coke. Uh, they had the uh, new Coke. Um, uh, trying to think of the word here. Um, marketing strategy. Uh, get rid of something, and then you'll want it back, and it'll be better. Like uh, <laughs> you're right. Right. But uh, it's worked for them. I had lost my train of thought here. Uh, you know, I was going to bring up one other thing before we uh, start to wind it down, and I have lost my train of thought. So, what do you guys think? I have a question for him. What's that? Uh, off, off air, we mentioned to you, so you know where I'm going. Um, so it's not a total surprise. But the ultimate question we waited to the end of the interview for you: Will we play football in 2020? We're going to put you on the spot. I think we will. I do. I think. I, you know, I hope that what you saw in Florida is um, is containable as far as when they open things back up and there's a little bit of a spike. Um, if that starts happening as we open stuff up, then then it, man, you got to doubt it. I mean, the students have to be back. You can't. I, I you know, I know the big. I think it was the Big Ten. You know, said that you know if the students aren't back, we're not doing fall sports altogether. Well, if the students don't come back to East Carolina in the fall, I don't see how we can possibly um, expect our our student athletes to do that. And um, so, you know, hopefully, um, as we start opening things back up and and we get a little bit a little bit of a break here um i don't know that it'll happen in the last week of august but i mean it may be let's do a number out there like the second week of october maybe maybe november i do think we're going to play football this year 
Um, I don't know that it will be the schedule that we've put out. You know, I, I think I, it's going to be pushed back a month. I think we're going to start yeah, it off. I, 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 I think that's, that, that seems to be about, you know, the thinking. So, you know, I, it's unfortunate, really. But you know what, man? It's all the things in the world that's going on right now, um, we have to wait a month to see see, see uh, our football teams play. I, I'm okay with that. And I remembered my question, Midor. 2011, Southern Miss, East Carolina. Do you have the video of the streaker on the field? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we do. We actually we had um, uh, the, the Kenneth Browntree is our um, he we, he works at Channel Nine as a photographer, and you know you know we're we're in house cameras at that point, and um, and that's not TV broadcast because TV broadcast did, did not get it. Um, we have it. In house and <laughs> so so tree just happened. You know, usually halftime you go take a break, and the only camera used the sideline camera because you know the generals are on the field and they're being acknowledged. And because remember that was military appreciation. Game. Yeah, well, out runs that knucklehead. I tell you what, man, the way he jumped over that wall naked, that, that kid he had talent, man. He bounced that was over a, that wall like it was nothing. It was and, impressive. Uh, it was. So tree <laughs> happened to be standing on on his camera well. He sees the guy. Zooms in and starts recording. Yeah, man, we got we got that. Zooms in, huh? <laughs> he zooms in, man. <laughs> we got hey. the tackle, we got the drag down, we got it all, man. <laughs> hey, now, now, Kyle, you know that's on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I did not. Because <laughs> it's, it's funny. funny on his... YouTube. The cell phone yeah. version is on YouTube where he bounces yeah, over yes, that wall. The, yes, yeah. yes, yes, the cell phone, to be clear for our <laughs> listeners. Yes, the cell phone. Don't want anybody losing their job, but no. Uh, Coming on yeah. Classic Rewind. Yes, <laughs> yes we'll that, we'll uh, we'll that cell phone version. You guys remember the East Carolinian got in all that trouble because they posted the picture of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they didn't put anything over it. You know? How stupid was that? <laughs> I just remember his his friends kept saying, Oh my gosh, he's really doing it. He's, he's doing, doing it. it. He's doing it. He said, he said are you, and we'll keep it clean for the for the family listeners. Uh, but are you crapping me? Are you crapping me? <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope that was worth a lifetime ban. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good laugh though. Um, here nine years later, so. No doubt, um, Brian. How can people follow you? And I know you've been, man, you've been generous with the time, but uh, certainly we've been. Um, waiting, and uh, certainly I know uh, we're thinking about you still. I know you've been through a lot over the last year. Yeah, uh, I appreciate so. you saying that, buddy. And um, we th- we obviously wanted to give you space during that time, um, yeah. but we're thinking about you even still afterwards. And Absolutely. Uh, but but uh, as far as now goes, as far as professionally and you know, on social media, how can people follow you? And obviously, I want people to listen to you on uh, the press box with Troy. Yeah, I mean, Pirate Radio right now is pretty much that's the only thing on air that I'm doing right now, other than you know, features on the coaches show. I mean, I, I'm on Twitter, but I don't, um, I don't, I don't chirp a whole lot. I, I, I lurk, but uh, B Me or Eight is my um, is my handle. I don't, um, I don't follow me. <laughs> so I, don't expect other, <laughs> I don't expect other people to do it as well. But um, you know, I, I, you know, just I'll tell you this, man. It, it, folks out there, you know, if you believe in something you know, and, you, and it's and and, and um put your heart into it and just because you don't you don't see the wins doesn't mean you give up on it and one of the toughest things for me to watch over the last five years is how our fan base just depleted i understand oh. it. i totally understand it you know you're, you're putting all your money into something and it's not cheap man it's not cheap to take no. a family of four to a football game i get it um but but the worst thing you can do is give up on it and um and so I, I hope i hope fans our fans especially the ones i, I the ones i've known love and followed all these years um they need to, you guys got to come back, and, and I hope 
um, that we can, over the next few years we'll put something out there to reward you for having faith in us and as a program. And that's that's what I would say. Well, Brian, Absolutely. Appreciate you so much, man. And um, hopefully we can have you back on. And uh, definitely it, next man. time, next time we have you back on, we'll talk about sports, right? Like <laughs> I hope so, man. You guys have fun with Ruff on Monday night. That's going to be a trip. I can't wait to hear. I had talked right. to him the other night. And he's still the same guy. He's something else. He's the best. Yeah, love Ruff. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Brian. All right. See you. Right, Bye. Thank you so much, Medor. Appreciate you, man, so much for all that you do. And being a great pirate, he is fantastic. But I really like him a lot. Thanks to Kyle for joining us there for the interview. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a few more minutes and close it out. Do you have any more to, um, take topics you want to talk about? I know there's so much. To talk yeah, about. Um, something else. I'm kind of shifting gears to, to basketball. Um, unfortunately, I saw where Tulane had a very talented uh, Tayshawn Hightower who had already declared for the NBA draft. And um, I, I don't know exactly when he had declared, but um, he had began his career at Georgia, then transferred to Tulane. Um, he may have actually led the Green Wave in scoring a year ago as he had um, right at 16 points per game. Excuse me, I say a year ago. Um, this past season he had 16 points per game or, or close to it. But uh, So anyway, he was charged with murder um, back in his hometown of Atlanta. Uh, him and I think it's about five others had gotten in this some, uh, some bad stuff, um, battery, uh, aggravated stuff assault excuse me and um and murder and then there was an, another couple of charges so we'll be interesting to see what comes of that uh, that it supposedly occurred uh, back about two and a half weeks ago i think it was april 7th or 8th um yeah. uh, move, moving on to some better basketball news uh closer to home with the pirates um if, if you watch trivia the other night uh, we certainly made the announcement as far as southern miss actually it was um yeah, it was trivia when we made that announcement that Southern Miss is going to be playing in Menjis, assuming we're playing basketball at that time. Uh, December 21st, and the Golden Eagles will come to town. You also have games that are already announced. Um, James Madison, that date is still to be determined. Um, UNC Wilmington will be coming to Menjis, which is great news. Um, that rivalry certainly needs to be renewed, and Seahawks have a first-year Head coach um, coming over from NC State, um, Coach Siddle, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, but anyway, um, the Seahawks will come to Menjis on November 16th, and a game at Charlotte will still be determined as far as when that will be played. The Pirates will play Liberty at, at uh, start to say Time Warner Cable Arena Spectrum Center downtown where the Hornets play on uh, November 13th. That may very well be the season opener. If not, it would be game two, I'm guessing. And then um, also we'll be playing down in the Gulf Coast Showcase, which features a lot of so-called high-level mid-major teams, the likes of uh, Wright State um, in the past. Uh, I'm not sure who all's in it this year, but that is November 23rd to the 25th. And then on the, the roster front, uh, you had Logan Curtis. Uh, you knew somebody had to be leaving uh, with the acquisition or commitment of Noah Noah Farrakhan, the guard out of New York, which we talked about last week. Or I say New York, New Jersey. But Noah, Noah Farrakhan coming to town as a, as a guard. Logan Curtis is entering the portal uh, after just one year as a pirate. And then so 
Now you have uh, Derek Kwanzaa, who was known about for a long time, coming in, uh, giving the Pirates a 4-7 footer, at least as it stands now. It will be interesting to see if maybe Edra Luster or uh, one of those 7-footers uh, transfers out. But as of now, the Pirates will have four 7-footers in 2020-2021. It's like we've gone from famine, you know, you say peace for famine. Man, we... Went so long without a big man, and now all of a sudden you have come from nothing, like zero seven-footers to four. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see one or two of them enter the transfer portal, but there again, uh, they may they may use it as being an American. Um, and, Bubba, you know, with, uh, with all the injuries and things that happen, is uh, if you have just a token, just one seven-footer, he goes down, there goes the side yet again. So maybe like to say what probably two would be your what you'd like to have like an ideal world but who knows i mean i trust Dooley and and his staff uh they know more about basketball than i'll ever know so um even as much as i love it they are incredible we're going to try yeah. to see if we can get some of the Dooley and some of the assistants on uh obviously with i won't say nothing going on but it'll be great to have them on and talk more about basketball right Bubba? Yeah, no doubt. That's what I was going to say. Hopefully in the next few weeks we will have, uh, um, whether it's Coach Dooley, Rafael Chile, um, Steve Rockefort, and we'll have some of the basketball staff on um, at some point, uh, no doubt, and look forward to talking to them about the prospects for next year. Um, but, yeah, just outside looking in, uh, if I had to guess, um, and I heard Stephen Igo, who's obviously much closer to the program, um, than I am, um, just saying that he, he doesn't think it's done. If he had to guess, he thinks we'll probably bring in at least one, maybe two more for next year in addition to, to Kwanzaa and Farrakhan. And so my guess is that one of those bigs leaves and that we get uh, we get a wing player because we desperately need um, some better three-point shooting, as we all know. Man, that was a common theme that you and I talked about a lot of the overtimes and the basketball previews is a three-point shooting, three-point shooting. We're in a day and age with Stephon Curry, um, certainly with the Warriors or the NBA level, but it really has over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years or more, the, the three-point shot has become so huge in the, in the game of basketball compared to what it used to be. It was more like icing on the cake. It seems like it's more of the cake than the icing now, but uh, hopefully um, – I think all in all, we need a good balance. I think sometimes with our teams, it seems like we have a lot of uh, maybe some good three-point shooting, um, but not the big men. Or then now we have some big men and not the three-point. It seems like it goes back. And I guess the dynamics, to be fair to each coach we've had in the past and players, the dynamics change every year, every season, and every team is different. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Over the years, um, me and – a couple of buddies who kind of joked and when, especially you know, like back during the Ricky Stokes era, when we it was it would be nothing for us to score fifteen or sixteen points and a half. <laughs> so, um, so me and some friends would joke saying, actually, it's more him saying this to me, and I just laughed. But he said, he said, I think me and you and uh, three camels could go out there and outscore us. That's sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's funny. I. I remember they are very well, unfortunately. <laughs> and um, it went from 
you know that <clears throat> that basketball program uh, for people that listen to this show probably most likely they're going to know this but preaching to the choir but our basketball program we haven't had much to talk about and that was like one of I mean to say that it was a low <laughs> when we've had it was yeah. a real ba- it was a bad time there uh, it's, you know it's we funny, had, I, 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 oh, I'm sorry I was just going to say I, I didn't even intentionally really bring up Ricky Stokes but in that conversation as you heard yeah. um, with Brian Meador, um he was just saying just what a bad move that was as many great things as Coach Holland did uh, that was certainly uh, a very poor decision to to bring in Ricky Stokes, uh, I I hated it from the get go. Um, just based on his his body of work at Virginia Tech and what I had heard about him, uh, and and uh, it certainly held true. Unfortunately, um, uh, and I don't even know. It seemed like to me, from outside looking in, and I mean, I, yeah, that was what fourteen or fifteen years ago. But yeah. uh, so really, no need to rehash it. But just outside looking in, it just seemed like it was probably a combination of the two. Um, as far as maybe not necessarily approaching things the best, but but then also just uh, I don't know that uh, he necessarily had. Why well, I, I definitely know that uh, his priorities weren't where they needed to be. Um, like, like Meador attested to, as far as just not showing up for the coaching show and different things like that that just didn't didn't stack up. Yeah, I mean it doesn't matter what level you're at. I mean. If you're <clears throat> like this, you're only good as the top. And when the top person is not committed to the program, why are the fans going to be committed to the program? Why are the players going to be committed to the program? They pick up on it. Everybody picks up on it. That was, yeah. you know, I remember people calling, and I no offense to Ricky Stokes, but I remember people jokingly calling him Ricky Jokes because um, they were saying it was such a joke that he was the coach of our team when, you know, that's the one thing um, – the basketball program, the women's program has had some decent times, you know, uh, of late. And uh, but the men's program, we we've got to, if we're going to be at a conference, you know, everybody. I know we're having struggles now, but if we ever want to really turn the corner uh, with all the stuff that's going on, the alignments and realignments and different things, well, having Dooley now and having the coaching staff and the recruiting, if they can really start to compete, which I think they can. In American, oh my God, you know that'll be <laughs> that'll be unbelievable considering where we've come where we've come from and the fact that we don't have a tradition um, of any kind really to talk about basketball at all. I mean, you can look at it pretty much a lot of the sports of the 19 sports. Men's basketball is probably right up there as far as the as far as tradition goes. I'm not talking about the current situation because they're building a program. It's not fair yeah. to talk about Dooley right now. I'm just saying as a whole, the big picture. There's it's probably, arguably, the worst program. Maybe women's volleyball there for a while was god-awful um, before Julie yeah. Corbett came over. But, I mean, outside of women's volleyball, I mean, if you look at stack the 19 sports, basketball, men's basketball would be towards the bottom. And I'm just happy, tickled to death to have Dooley here and the staff and the commitment from ECU to basketball. The fans show you that if you have a winning program, I mean, if you – have any kind of like win streak going, they're going to show up. So we know that the same thing with football, anything we, we got the best fans, Bubba. I say it all the time. It sounds self-serving. It's not meant to be. If you look at how many programs in the country have the media attention, we were talking to Brian Medor. Look how many programs in this country that would kill to have 
the the fan base that we have. And I'm not just being patronizing to the fans listening right now. The people listening, I'm sincere when I say that. Yeah, you can't you can't really blame our fans um, for getting frustrated, especially now that the games were available on the platforms like they like they are, uh, where you can watch every game and without without being there. I mean, yes. We need to uh, do a better job of getting out of the games, but I'm just, especially the ones that are within the hour radius. Um, but you can certainly understand why why there aren't many like myself and some other and a handful of others who drive a considerable distance, like three hours to to watch. Given what the product has been, um, I guess I'm a glutton yeah. for punish. I'm a glutton for punishment. And, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just kidding. But. Uh, I, I do it because I love the pirates. Certainly not saying that in a in an arrogant way, but um, no. But no, but no. Let's go ahead and promote some of our upcoming yeah. content. Yeah, of, yeah. of course, um, this will be put out there um, either late Sunday night or early Monday morning. Uh, so uh, let's talk about what we have going on Monday night. Facebook Live. Um, Russ and McNeil will be joining us. Um, it's going to be awesome catching up with Coach Russ. So definitely tune in and check that out. It will be live not only on Facebook, but on YouTube as well. Uh, so check it out on either of those platforms. It will be archived on both of those platforms as well as the audio only will be anywhere you typically hear our podcast. On Wednesday, we'll be catching up with Ricky Bustle. Uh, Ricky, or Coach Bustle, uh, spent Nine years as the head coach of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Prior to that, he was Mike Vicks, offensive coordinator at Virginia Tech. Also, Coach wow. Jim Druckenmiller, who played in the NFL. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's at 7 o'clock on Wednesday on Facebook Live. Also, Worth Gregory and Davis Plowman, um, um, punter and kicker from the ECU football past. And then um, on Friday, we'll have trivia featuring Mike Ray. And so we'll have some racing questions in addition to our typical other uh, mix of sport questions. Uh, this week it will be um, not as East Carolina focused since last week we were a little more East Carolina centric. And then, uh, so that's at seven on Friday. And then last but certainly not least on uh, Sunday, May the 3rd at seven o'clock, we will rewatch the 1995 Liberty Bowl and 1913 Pirate victory over the Stanford Cardinal. So that will be a lot of fun as we'll have. Emmanuel McDaniel, better known as Emac, uh, as well as Mark Libiano, Darren Hart, who had a big pick six in that game that really set the tone early on, and then some others join us in, join in with us, um, much like Texas Tech watch party this past Wednesday that's done so well. It's had about 750 views thus far on Facebook. Great stuff. I'm busy week ahead. I want to give my special thanks to Brian Mito, our great guest, and he's you video operations and of course Kyle from McGrain's Barber. Bubba, thank you so much man for all that you do behind the scenes. Appreciate you very much. Fans, join us uh, tonight on Facebook Live. You're listening on Monday at 7 o'clock. It's going to be great with Ruffin and Neil and also on YouTube Live as well. We're streaming both of those live and then you can like Bubba said, rewatch those as well. Alright, we're going to get out of here. Have a great time everybody and we'll see you back soon right here on the Sports Detective Podcast. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.